Hey guys, welcome to March 2021. This month we're going to be talking about living in the tension. How can we keep relationships strong amidst having conversations about the mask or the pandemic, the vaccine or racism or even the election? How can you have those conversations with those people who don't agree with you and live in the tension of the conversations while maintaining friendships and not destroying them all as a follower of Jesus? Well, today we have Jordy Vickery. Hello. We have Chris Meekins. Oh, yeah. Bring it out. <laughs> and our guest today is Jason Carter. Howdy. Yeah. Woo. So, Smartest uh, guy in the room, I think. Ah, yeah, pass. Not me. Well, Jason so. is Jason Carter is a friend of ours, a, f- a good friend of mine. And um, Jason, tell us just a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you came from. Uh, a little bit about myself. So uh, Jason Carter, that, that happens to be the given name. Uh, I am a spouse to a wonderful, wonderful woman, Dr. Tisha Carter, who is on staff at Grace. Uh, I have, uh, we have, I guess we should both take credit for it. We have a wonderful son, uh, Harrison, <laughs> and uh, he's 23. And so we do. Will he listen to this podcast? He will likely not listen to this podcast. <laughs> so let's do this. If he listens to it, right. you will give him a $10 gift card if he listens to the to place it, of I his choice. Tell Scott him will. That there's a $10 gift card available. <laughs> <laughs> From Scott Lesson. I'll give it to him. Yeah, I'll give it to him. Yeah, I give him room and board. So for that, yeah, he is uh, he's forever indebted. But wonderful young man. I I love uh, our son to death. Uh, So originally from Texas by way of Minnesota, Uh, by trade, uh, I am an attorney by trade. And so I'm grateful for the opportunity to come and be a part of what you good gentlemen are doing here. Good to have you, man. Thank you. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. Well, um, Jordy, Chris, why did you guys when we start when we when we were talking about this topic, why uh, why did you guys? I, I threw it to you guys first. Said, "Hey, talking about this, living in the tension through difficult conversations, who would you guys want to invite on? Why did you guys say both? Of you guys said Jason. Yeah, I think there's a lot of filters everything has to pass through. But one thing for me is like if I'm gonna put content out there, would I listen to it? You know, and so. If there were a panel and Jason was on it, that would intrigue me. You know, I would be like, this person is credible. They do a lot of research. They know what they're talking about. And they're willing to say things. They're just willing to go there, you know. And so that excited me. So here he is. Wow. I, I, I looked at it as he was the smarter version of me. <laughs> <laughs> Not even possible. No, no. I uh, uh, Jason's got a way that he gives a side of an argument that just, you know, I've I mean, he said some things before, and I'm like, man, I, that's that has never entered my mind. That that is a thought pattern that I have never ever even heard about. And so uh, he brings something to it, and he brings uh, he brings truth, but he also brings grace. Mm. And that's a, that's a key issue for me. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of truth, but they don't have a lot of grace. Yeah, and, and Jason's got both. I want to meet this Jason. That you guys yeah. are well, I don't know if you're going to be able to get out the door, man. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see if he's while still here when we get about, done. Yeah, while we're talking about it, how amazing Jason is, when I first heard Jason had an, a 23-year-old son, I don't think he was 23 when I heard that fact, but maybe 21 or 22, I was mind blown. Like I, I, I do not know how old Jason is, but I was way off. <laughs> I yeah, thought he was way young, way too old, young to have a twenty-three-year-old. He's not. He's not too young, but he looks too young. 
definitely. Yeah. He's got that early 30s glow going. Yeah, except for the grays. <laughs> I was recently out and a young lady called me sir. Oh my gosh. And I, I think she it. was That's college age. And I was like, it happened. Stop right? it. Right? It's finally it happened. happened. <laughs> I finally no longer look. I was in I was in, I was in Publix one day and the the girl was bagging my things. She said, "Honey, can I carry that out to the car for you?" Oh, yeah. but, uh, well, right. today what we're going to be talking about, I want to put a disclaimer out there. Um, that what you hear today, it might be challenging at first. It might ruffle feathers a little bit. I, I'm not sure, but uh, we're going to be talking about some things that, you know, when, when we talk about living in the tension of these conversations, you may have a very strong belief on one side or the other about the mask or the pandemic in general, or maybe vaccines that have come out, or maybe about racism, or like Chris said about the election, uh, you may believe it was stolen, you may not believe it was stolen. But the disclaimer is that whatever your political preferences are, just hang in there listen because what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to we we are going to look at 10 ways that we can be more like Jesus while living in the tension of challenging conversations without losing our gospel impact there you go that's the key without Very losing good. our gospel in, in amen. impact amen so pastor jordy what what maybe what's a conversation that or a few conversations you've had with people uh, amidst all of this chaos that we've been living in yeah, there's a there's a number of things. I think I've talked to people on all sides uh, of, you know, different issues. Let's just say the mask first. You know, I think I've talked to people on every side of the issue. And I- I've seen people who are passionate but navigating that well. But, you know, by default, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I've talked yeah, to a yeah. lot of people who they're kind of willing to th- almost throw away, like, some character Logic. or how they would talk to people or how they would represent Christ for the sake of their preferences on, or beliefs on a certain side of an issue. And that's, that's been, you know, hard to watch on all fronts. Like I can't, um, I can't have patience, you know, it's basically like a, I can't have patience for people or who are stupid kind of mindset from every side. And that, that's, and I say, so you've kind of had to circle back and say, Hey, aren't we under authority and aren't we called to be unified? And is this really a clear biblical teaching or is this how you're interpreting this issue? And do you really have the right to say your way is right and to write off other people? I think you have a right to your own beliefs, but do you have a right to write off other people and not care about them or not love them or not even want to be in relationship with them? And I think the answer is no to that. For me, it's, uh, it's been a lot of uh, sitting around listening to people talk about vaccines I'm going to get them. Do I not want to get them? Does this one have these kind of, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and uh, you know, I always think of your SDI training. Yeah. And my unhealthy response is to shut down. Yeah, when you go into conflict or stress, right. you shut down. I shut down. When it's going nowhere and, I, and I'm just frustrated, I shut down. And so I'll find myself shutting down a lot because I just don't want to talk about politics anymore. Yeah. I just don't want to talk about the vaccine anymore. I just don't want to talk about white and black or, or you know, Hispanics or Mexicans in the border. I, 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 and, and I know that that's wrong to a certain degree. And so I, I'm so stressed that I just go into my... Shutdown mode. Shutdown mode. Yeah, for, for me, I've been having a lot of conversations. Being, I mean, being the men's pastor here um, at Grace Church in Middleburg Heights and Olmstead Falls, what, what I've been dealing a lot with is people will send me like a video and say, tell me what you think about this. Oh, God. Or send me a podcast and say, tell me your thoughts on this. 
And so I'll meet with every single one of those guys and say, well, I'll watch it if you sit down and talk with me about it afterwards. And so, I mean, it's all over the, the map, all of these conversations I've been having. The way God's wired me when I go into conflict, healthy stage one conflict, if you will, is I, I engage so I, I can stay in the conversation. Um, but if I go into stage two or three, um, it, it can be a shutdown, like you said, Chris, um, or you know, just be unhealthy, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying to stay in that either healthy or stage one healthy um, conflict. But yeah, it's been all over the map, but it's all of these topics and both sides of everything, you know, there, no, there's no racism um, or the election was stolen. No, it wasn't, you know, or um, if you get a vaccine, that, that's a mark of the beast. I mean, it, it's it, it's on both sides, right? It's, so it's not, I'm not saying one's right, one's wrong. I'm just saying it's been all over the map for me. For me, it's it's been a lot about, I would say, I would start by saying I love to talk politics and I love <laughs> to talk political theory and I love to talk about history. I love to talk about the Bible, and I love to try to contextualize it all because I believe there's an answer to most of the things that we're dealing with. But I also work in a secular environment. And so the questions that I see a lot are questions about whether or not we're actually seeing America become what it truly uh, attempted to become in its inception. People wonder if, if, if the conversations we're having where people are able to express themselves however they choose, if that really is what America is, or has America lost its way? Uh, should America be defined by the sure. core Christian values that uh, that have kind of dominated the American conversation for many years since its inception? Those are conversations I am having regularly. Conversations about the vaccine. I myself uh, have gone back and forth about the vaccine, and oh, so no. even in my home, uh, we've had conversations. I'm, I'm not a I'm not a flu vaccine guy, um, but I have taken other vaccines. And so, what does it mean to take this vaccine? I think about travel. Uh, my wife and I had that conversation. And, and what does it mean? Am I willing to compromise my position on the vaccine to travel? Then did I really have a position on the vaccine? And so... See why we invited him? There you go. <laughs> and and that's why he's a friend of mine, right? Because yeah. he, he... Jason, you do. You do an amazing job of help, helping us think through both sides. And you do... You can... You have taught me how to not get caught up in... Well, I don't know what I think right now. So I just fight or I or I retreat or I won't say anything and I'll not even think about it anymore like you you have helped me understand how can you stay in the conversation without losing your mind or losing friends while also being a great representative of Jesus in the midst of it yeah I've never had the choice I think what's interesting about my life uh, and I know this isn't about me but I've always been I've never had the ability to be accepted in any environment that I was in in my entire life. So I've always had to figure out how to navigate tension while still navigating the environment to find success, work, employment, relationship, all of it. I've always been an outlier. And and that came from not only my ethnicity, but also I moved a lot. I was never in one school for more than two years of my life growing up. And my family were relatively poor. So because of that, Every environment, every year I was in a new environment trying to navigate a new world where I didn't have any credibility to bring to bear. Hmm. I, was, I was a new face. And so this to me, I, I, to some degree, I, I think of it as being a chameleon. And I know that that, will, that that frustrates a lot of people because they think you never really have a foundation. But I think it, I look at it more as Paul. Paul said, I, I, I try to navigate different experiences in different places so that I can figure out how to be winsome and win some. And I think that's what we're called to do. Yeah, I grew up in an attorney's home. Oh, um, God. If my dad's watching or listening, you just totally offended my dad. 
<laughs> and, my, and me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. My number one resolution is I, you know, I want to figure out the answer, but you know, usually lawyers are going like, oh, they have the answer. So I'm like, okay, yeah, we just try to convince everybody. <laughs> I go we have the answer. Said, by the way, yeah, take everything I say with a grain of salt. I yeah. am an attorney, right? Right. Can't be he, and you are billing us for this time. I right? am also true. <laughs> yeah. But growing up in my, you know, around my dad, what what one of the He'll things fight that for I whatever learned, position we ask him to. That's right. Just yeah. Yeah, what like, what I learned with my dad is like you can. You, it's super healthy, actually, just to look at the other side, not take the other side, but to look at it so you can better understand maybe where right. somebody's coming from. Right. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, but before we do, I wanted to get into the scripture just a little bit. Um, in John 7, there's this woman who's caught in adultery. And what's amazing is Jesus is in the midst of, he's teaching a, a, a crowd of people and the Sadducees and essentially the, the super high religious people, they come in, they bring this woman who is, the scripture says, caught in adultery. And they, they say, Jesus, what, what do you say about this woman? And some of the teachers of the law, you know, they would have said that um, she deserves to be killed. She deserves to be stoned. What they do is they make her stand before the crowd and they say to Jesus, in the law of Moses, we were commanded to kill her so what do you say now what's interesting is the scribes and pharisees they were hoping to catch jesus in this trap they they were wanting to trap him and you know you in the in the jewish faith in cases of adultery the jewish law would have called for stoning we see that in deuteronomy and the key is that both the man and the woman had to have been brought before the the, the court essentially if Jesus recommended, this is interesting, if Jesus would have recommended that the woman be released, he'd be accused of breaking the law of, or, or of treating at least, at least, at the very least, treating the law of Moses nonchalantly. On the other hand, if Jesus recommended the stoning of the woman, he'd be breaking the Roman law. And, and these guys knew this. They, they were trying to trap him. And so the, the question that comes before us is that, you know, Jesus was the one who was caught in the middle between these two people groups who were diabolically opposed, what would he what should he have done? I also think what's interesting about this is not only was it would it have been breaking Roman law, but it would have compromised his ministry. Whenever I think about when when they're talking about Mosaic law, I think about the point where Jesus is talking about divorce. Right? And he says divorce was allowed under the Mosaic law because your hearts were hard. And so that has to cause us to think about the fact that some of Mosaic law was built because of the fallibility of man. And, and even in this situation, we have a situation where Jesus' ministry is to come and bring a ministry of grace, love, repentance, and forgiveness, and yet they lack all of that. Mm -hmm. And so it would have also compromised his ultimate message for her to be murdered in that moment. And so I see, I see a tension here also of kind of what's man's law, what's the acceptable law of the land, and then ultimately what's the divine law that we can operate under through grace. And so I, I think that there was huge tension in that moment that Jesus resolved perfectly. Yeah, very much. Uh, he could have said, you know, all right, stone her, but there's a time coming where no longer we will have to. But I yeah. think he's like, no, here's what's to come, and here's what I've come to do. Let's not waste any time. And I, I love, too, that he was the only one who could judge her, and he says, well, I don't want to, you know. And we'll talk about that more later, but I think he chose to 
take upon the judgment himself, not dismiss it. But there's these conversations and there's a cost in either situation. I think that's really why we're bringing this up is he had to navigate this so well because it's such a touchy situation. He, there were so many ways to lose, right? Yeah. He could be thrown in Roman prison and cut his ministry short. He could be he could lose his compl- he could lose his religious audience and he's coming to bring them into this new era he's coming to reveal himself to them as the fulfillment of all the scripture they believe and he could lose that whole audience by dismissing the mosaic law yep so what does he do he he turns it around with a question like who can throw this stone the one who's without sin all right who is it and everyone's like oh shoot yeah and he's like well i can but you know and, and and so what we're talking about is cost. And when we talk about the cost of following Jesus and the cost in these conversations, I think there's an important distinction to be made that as Christians, we're told to count the cost and there's going to be this cost to following Jesus. And so a lot of times when we look at these conversations and we think, oh, well, I can run into this conversation and offend people and walk all over them with my beliefs. And that's just part of the cost of following Jesus. But I want to separate the two because there's actually a difference between the cost of following Jesus, the cost of being associated with his gospel, that's something that we're called to pay, but there's a difference between that and what we're talking about in these conversations, which is potentially the cost of misrepresenting Jesus. Yeah, and that's, that's a huge cost right there. We don't want to pay. And so when we have when we have this call to be Christ-like and we have these examples of Jesus submitting to governing authority and he does it again and again, who, oh, whose name's on this coin? You're going to have to pay taxes. And, you know, people at the time are thinking, well, then I'm funding this secular nation with all these evil beliefs and they're oppressing us. They have their hand in religion. Like, it's not good. And Jesus is like, well, who's your governor? He says to pay taxes. Like, there's not these exceptions, you know? And so there's a cost to... There's a cost to misrepresenting that Jesus if we turn, if we put things in Christianity that aren't there, or based on our own preferences, we throw away our character and our witness, and we don't try to be Christ-like and in relationship with people who maybe landed on different sides of those things, but do or don't claim the same Savior. Yeah, I, I think that there's this... Sorry, this may be unscripted. It's not. It's not in my notes, but I think if we bring this to to modern times, we have a woman caught in adultery, and I think we would ask ourselves the same question of what would happen today if we had a woman caught in an abortion, hmm. who came before our religious elite, who came before us, and and they were asking, right, what should happen to this woman? What should her consequence be for doing this? And I think that Jesus speaks very clearly to that in this situation. I, I just think that. And, and this is completely unscripted, but a tension that, that is uh, in our world right now is this idea of abortion and what it means. And I just think that the church misses the mark if the place, I think the last place anyone would come if they had an abortion is to the church. Hmm. And I think that right, I think we're missing it. I think we're on the side of those who chose to condemn in this area versus being on the side of those who want to show grace and love and mercy. And I think Jesus sh- has shown us that. That's prickly. And how he, That's prickly, what you just said. I, I'm okay with being prickly. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think I think we have to be prickly. I think Jesus in that moment chose to be prickly. Well, and the same thing like when you were Jordy was referring to the the coin paid to Caesar. Here's the, here's the thing that I love about Jesus is that he told people what the truth was. Then he let them make their decision. Because there's always a consequence. There's always a consequence of not paying your taxes or not following wisdom. 
and not whatever. And and same thing like Jason said. There's there, there's a price over here. It doesn't matter. But Jesus has always been a gentleman to saying, I, I'm just going to tell you what the truth is. And we live in a society where we have Karens and is that uh, what? Give me the definition of a Karen. What, who knows the real definition of a Karen? <laughs> Are we really talking about? Sure. Jordy, tell us the definition what's of the Karen. Def, what's a Karen? Oh y- yeah, because so <laughs> we're talking to mostly great, old guys. They don't you know, know what we're talking. You know where about. this whole Karen thing started? It was a short history lesson. <laughs> there was so when, when Jesus when life, when, when generations such as Scott and Chris's generation decided that they hated millennials and to make fun of them and mock them and yada yada. Millennials came out with a meme and they said, say what you want about my generation, but at least I'm never the 40-year-old Karen at a checkout desk yelling at a poor store checkout employee. You know, or at least I never go full Karen or full psycho on these people who work retail. Like, you never see a millennial doing that. And so from those memes with different language in each one, there became this, the cultural icon of Karen. Karen is mid-40s, and she's willing to scream at anyone at any time over anything that bothers her. Yeah, I struggle with the Karen thing uh, because Karen's always white. Right, and and so I struggle. Well, with I've that. seen a couple black Karens. I'm but, just but saying. But no one, no one saying the word Karen is ever referring to a black person, no. right? They're no. always referring to a white person, and I find that people use it. It's common. It's common usage now. But I, I find it a little frustrating that in an attempt to bring about a measure of equality, that we we kind of latched onto this very degrading term. And, and really, anyone named Karen now has to own this if they're a white 40-year-old woman. <laughs> and it's, it's it's so it's so. That's why we're only talking to men. Right. But go I, ahead. I, I think that it's I think it's a, I think it's unfair. I, you know, I, I think, it is. Like anyone, I've laughed at it. Right. I, I'm, I'm not innocent of it. I've, I've laughed at it. I've probably even used it. And I think that it's something that I want to personally be accountable to, to others about because I don't know of anyone who would ever say the word Karen and ever envision anyone who was Hispanic. Or Asian or black. It, so it, it is a you know one of the things I love about you. This woman. is one thing you've taught me is immediately when you started saying that I'm like, when was did I have I ever used that? When was the last time? <laughs> and you immediately throw yourself under the bus like, oh, I've used that term, Absolutely. you know. So, and and I think that breaks down walls, the yeah, barriers that we put up in our lives. But but, but, but let's, let's just say let's just say going back to the, our discussion, it was we get people that are willing to go full board to this direction and how do i be in the tension of someone that's full board Let, let's do this i want to take us back to abortion okay because it's oh, just man. just because I, I, just because it's prickly, prickly. Scott, that's just prickly. because it's prickly i mean you could you could put her in this right in this scenario if she if I, i'm gonna because you brought it up i'm gonna make you talk about it okay okay so by you you mean jordy Sorry, yes. Yes. So, yeah, because they don't, they can't see me pointing right now, right? But if 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 that woman came to you and your wife yeah. at your home, yeah, how would you yeah. talk to her right now? She would need to know the love of Christ. I mean, she would need to know that that while I may or may not have disagreed with the decision. Right. And, and, and I think we can all take a position on whether or not uh, a woman should be entitled to an abortion and whether it should be legally accessible. And we should we can decide about how we feel about Roe and its impact on society and whether abortions existed beforehand, so on and so forth. But that person has made a decision that will impact their lives forever. 
It's emotional. It's real. And in that moment, they don't need my judgment. They don't need a lecture from me. And similarly, I didn't need that when I've sinned. Right? The, the, the greatest gift to me has been when I've sinned that someone embraced me with love and told me the love of Christ. Now, they may eventually tell me how they feel about it, but it should come from a place of love. And just a place of confession, my wife and I were talking to our son recently, and he was struggling with the concept of God and the concept of Christ. And I, immediately what came over me was a sense of ownership that I may not have always shown my son the love of Christ. And if he doesn't understand Christ's love, the first place he should always feel right. it is for me. Right. And so I had to repent to my son mm. in that moment. Mm. Son, I, I ask your forgiveness mm. for this. Because... If you don't know the love of Christ, if you can't feel it, if you can't sense it, then I've not done a good job of showing you who mm. he really is. And I think that's that's what anyone who's caught in any sin should feel from the church. And I just think that we don't do that. So the first thing we see actually in this is that Jesus gives grace to her. Yeah. He eventually speaks truth as well, though. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and so it's this balance of grace and truth that when we're in the midst of hard conversations, if we were to bring it back to that, you have to have both the grace and the truth of whatever the topic is we're talking about and not just truth only or not just grace only. It has to be this blend and that's what we see Jesus doing. He gives her justice and mercy through the salvation of Jesus while at the same time he does talk about truth. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. But... Chris, there's a whole other side of this, this illustration that we see, you know, through this illustration of this woman, there, there's something else that we see, isn't there? Jesus, you know, Jesus is always, you know, you, you go, man, I don't think I could do that. I mean, he's always been a gentleman. He's always told the truth when the truth needed to be said, and he's always told, given grace when grace needed to be given. And, and that, I think that's why we love him so much. And we live in a society that people are all about truth and i think that's where jason being a lawyer he isn't all about truth he's also about grace but he's you know it's i thought that was going a different direction by the way no, no. <laughs> uh, you know he, he isn't I mean, all about truth yeah, yeah. but 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 there's you know i've been around places that well this is the truth the truth is this the truth is, well it, it is the truth but what happened to the grace part we got plenty of truth people need a little bit more love and a little bit more grace and so the biblical principles, while uh, Jesus was in attention, he always uh, kept peace going on. Mm. He always was patient. I mean, you think of the, the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Mm. We used to have a guy around here named Bob Chafee that used to, he'd say, if you can take those and bring them into your workplace, and if you're using those fruits of the Spirit, there is no law that can stop you from loving, from serving, from, and, and all those other things. And so Jesus always brought that biblical principle to the, to the party. Yeah, and, you know, the reconciliation. He was all about reconciliation. That's what he did with this woman, right? He was, there was like, like just Jason said, hey, okay, I, I see that you did this. Obviously, you came here to talk to us, and, and we're here for you. We're here for you. Uh, there isn't a rule. And, and I think that we've been able to establish that here at Grace Church over the years is that uh, we're a building full of broken people. I think that's yeah. – we Christians forget. Yeah. That everybody in the room is broken, including you. Well, we've set the stage, and you know this is going to be a two-part podcast. 
one of the things that we said we were going to talk about are the 10 ways that we can be more like Jesus. And I'm going to throw a couple of those out, but I want you guys to hold on. We're going to be coming back next week, and we're going to share what happened when we prepared for this podcast, and then we're going to dive into those those 10 things of how we can be more like Jesus. But just a few of those 10 things, we got this from churchandculture.org. It was a blog. We're going to put this in the notes of our podcast, so you can go there and click on that and find it. But I'm just going to name a few of those, that Jesus hung out with sinners, that Jesus promoted the dignity and worth of women, that Jesus protected kids, that Jesus cared nothing about power, prominence, position, or prestige. And there's a whole lot more on that, but we're going to come back next week. And first, we're going to talk about what happened when we prepared for this podcast, because it was very interesting. And we... Actually, if I were to say I'm this, going to the dentist because of it. We <laughs> punched me in the side of the face. We so. didn't even know if we were going to do this podcast. Mm-hmm. There yeah. was a question mark on whether we would, but we're going to tell that story and then You'll get into it. some of the personal tips of how can we do this well. How can we live in the tension of challenging conversations? How can we be in relationships amidst the amidst the mask, the pandemic, the vaccine, racism? and the election, but more to come next week.